0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five Podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and I have a lovely co-host today. Carla, how are you doing?
1: I am doing great. I'm so glad to be here.
0: And yeah, Carl is, uh, we talked about it recently. He's um, he's burning all his PTO days. I think he's at the beach <laughs> right now.
1: Such um, a slacker, that guy. It's like he's retired or something.
0: It is crazy. He's <laughs> the busiest retired man I've ever met. That but yeah. So true. Carl's out doing something cool, and today we're going to talk about when each of us discovered phi or the concepts and that sort of thing, and before we get into it, Carla, who are you? What do you do so people um, know a little bit more about you?
1: Yeah, my name is Carla Cash. I live here in Longmont. Um, I do all kinds of things. I am semi-retired myself. I'm an attorney. I practice a little bit of law here and there for fun. Um, My husband and I have a podcast called Pennies and Popcorn, where we talk about real money lessons from the world of TV and movies, which is a total blast. Um, So yeah, I do all kinds of fun things, but uh, definitely remember the day that I found out about Fi, so I'm really excited about this topic.
0: Let's jump right into it. Yeah, what what was that day like?
1: So I was at work um, in my kind of old life as a lawyer in a pretty big law firm in Dallas, Texas. And I cannot for the life of me remember exactly how I stumbled across Mr. Money Mustache, like how it ended up on my screen. I don't know if I Googled something like, what do I do if I'm not loving life or if I was Googling something about retirement stuff. I've always been pretty interested in personal finance and Um, So those things would like come up in my newsfeed. So it could have been just that Mr. Money Mustache popped up in my newsfeed somewhere. Um, But I stumbled across his website and it was just this incredible paradigm shift. I mean, so I always think of like seminal moments in life, right? We all remember where we were at 9-11. For people who are a little bit older than us, they remember where they were at like the moon landing. Uh, We all have these like big, you know bookmarks in life where it's like before and after, and this was one of those moments for me. I was just in shock that this was a possible thing, and I just remember kind of walking around in a fog. I, I worked in this really, really big office building that had like seventy-two floors, um, and you know, you know, thousands of people worked there every single day, and. I remember going home that night in the elevator and just looking at all the people around me. And then you get down to like the lower level and there's like this mass exodus of people going to the parking garage, getting to their cars. And I was looking at all those people around me. And I just, I almost like, I didn't say it out loud, but I almost said it out loud. Like, what are we all doing here? (laughs) Like, what is going on? You people are in your 40s and 50s and 60s. Like, what are you still doing here? And it was just the strangest, day and it was like that for a couple of days after where I just felt so just shifted it was like my whole mentality about life and work um, had just changed completely and I was kind of mentally running to catch up with that feeling and wrap my head around it and like figure out what we were going to do with the rest of our lives so that I'm pretty sure it was in 2014 Um, I would have been 30 at the time, like exactly 30. So here I am today, eight years later, um, and we pulled the plug on our careers in 2019, so only like six years after that. Um, but yeah, it just was a completely life-changing day for me.
0: Yeah, and and what did um, your husband Robert say? Was he pretty excited too right away? <laughs>
1: uh no he was very much not excited um so robert is one of the weirdest people i've ever met he loves his job and he always always has um
0: yeah stupid
1: yeah what am i doing with that guy no i mean it's great i benefit from it because you know he still makes a great salary and like we're able to pad our cushion in life even more and it's you know it's great but um he was just he was so flummoxed like he didn't understand why I thought this was actually going to work and like but what are we going to do with all of our time if we get to that point um, which I will say is a fair question and now that we've hit by I am doing more and more things that look more and more like work because I do like the act of working I just I was in a job that wasn't a good fit for me personally um, but he was so not on board and just was like Just find a job that you like, you know, that's what people do. That's what life is. There's no quitting your job at some crazy, super young age. Um, So, yeah, but I was all the way in, just completely obsessed with the math, running numbers left and right. Like it was an immediate attraction for me.
0: And then um, how did you convince Robert? Was it through you know, the spreadsheets, and he's a, you know, engineer type, right? So he probably gravitated
1: towards that. Yeah, he understood the math. But he was like, it's just, you know, the future is never guaranteed. But I think the bigger hang up for him, even more so than the money was just what am I going to do with my time? I really like my job. And sure enough, like we, you know, got to a point where we could walk away, but he didn't want to, he's continued to work, which is great. But we will never ever be regretful of having You know, chased those bigger numbers because it just gives you such a position of like peace and calm and tranquility in your life um, that's hard to get any other way. So, yeah, we're not regretful, but he um, he went back to work. The thing that eventually got him more excited about like saving towards bigger goals. Um, was that he did get excited about something we could do with our time if we were to walk away from our jobs and that was long distance backpacking. So we left our jobs in 2019. I cried tears of joy. Robert cried tears of sadness. (laughs) uh, (laughs) But then we took off and had a great time, um, and backpacked a big chunk of the Pacific Crest Trail and continued to travel around, bounced all around Europe for a while, which was pretty fantastic. Um, so finally, he got on board when he saw that there were other things that he would want to do at this time. But when we had scratched that itch and done a lot of those adventures, he did want to go back, which mm-hmm. is, you know, as uh, I said, fine by me, yeah. but also weird. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, it's funny in the um, in the four-hour work week, which I haven't read in, in a while. I mean, there's a section like, you know, what do you do after you have, you know, earned the money that you need to, or you have, you know, a cash flowing business or, you know, whatever it is, there's a lot of different ways to approach Getting free time, and in recent years, Tim Ferriss on his podcast has gone back and revisited it. And there are—I mean, that's one of the the big things. Like, okay, you solve the money problem. So now what? Now you have a bigger problem. It's yeah. like a existential crisis that you're going to have to figure out. Yeah, is much harder than figuring out the money problem, which you know, that's not an easy thing to do. But if you that's put it in enough years, um, you know, typically you're probably going to be able to figure out the money portion of it. Um, So, okay, awesome.
1: So your turn. Tell me what it was like when you first found Fi.
0: So mine was much more gradual. So I think the first time Elizabeth and I, my wife ran into Mr. Money Mustache uh, and the ideas in the blog and all that, I think it was also 2014, but it was through a different route. We realized that we were accumulating money and we had like you know 100k plus in checking accounts and stuff and we were just nervous to invest
1: Been there done that
0: and yeah very common for people like roughly in our age range where we were like ah, we invested right when we got out of school it was flat and we're like ah we don't know what to do we eventually fired our um, financial advisors that we each individually had. And we were like, we accumulated money. What should we do? So I'm pretty sure Elizabeth Googled some stuff, ended up on Pete's blog. We read things about index funds. I did a little extra research and then we, we both started investing on our own and uh, absolutely annihilated whatever our advisors were doing for us. And we're like, okay, this is much better. And, Around the same time, I started to get into side hustles and entrepreneurship a little bit. So I was listening to a bunch of podcasts in that area. One of them was the uh, Tropical MBA, which I still listen to. It's a great show. They've been around for, I want to say, since like 2007 or eight, oh, wow. like really kind of original podcasters. Yeah. And Mr. Money Mustache was on their show, episode three. 32. And that was April of 2016. So I think that was the first time that I like went a little deeper. Cause really when we were trying to solve the problem of investing index funds was a good answer for us. So we just, we did that. And then I didn't read any more of his blog at all. (laughs) So fast forward to 2016, I heard him talk about some of the ideas by that time we had already, you know, rejected some of the corporate stuff. I had already been laid off. I was working for myself and starting to really, you know, take off in that uh, sort of uh, really just financially. I was doing really well. And fast forward another year, Pete was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Oh, okay. So, that was like another bigger moment. So, at that point, had a couple years under my belt. And I definitely, I remember that episode and I've heard dozens of people say that they heard that episode. That's how they found Pete. And- Like, I've met him here at HQ and in Longmont and stuff. Yeah. But I remember making Elizabeth listen to that episode. And, of course, the headline for this one is uh, living beautifully on 25 to 27K per year. I don't think that, like, I think he owned his house outright and Mm -hmm. doesn't have a mortgage or whatever. Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, that's kind of low, right? I mean, we spend more than that. Um, Yeah. We... Typically, yeah, it's more than that. So we're like, ah, it's, it's a little bit off, but there's some really good ideas here and maybe we'll think about it more. So it was very slow and gradual and we like kind of ad- adapted uh, or adopted some of the ideas. Yeah. But I definitely run into more people like you where they found Mr. Money Mustache, the blog. Yeah. Read everything that they could as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then they were like, how how are we gonna do
1: this? Yeah, that was that was me for sure. Um, so with you guys, did you have to bring Elizabeth on board kicking and screaming or was it, because it was so gradual, was it kind of like you both slowly adapted together?
0: Yeah, I think we both slowly adapted. I, because I started businesses and realized that I didn't need a corporate structure and could operate fine. Uh, actually, much better than in the corporate structure. Um, I gravitated towards it, and I was like, "This is great." Probably, probably in 2016 on the TMBA podcast, I was already like, "Okay, this is pretty good." By the time I heard the Tim Ferriss interview, I was like, "Yeah, there's no way we're not doing this." And Elizabeth, uh, really, it's only it's been um, you know the last week or two that she's actually gotten <laughs> on board. <laughs> you met her, you know, she's, she's pretty resistant <laughs> to some of the ideas. No, she's, she's more on board than that, but, um, she's definitely more conservative. So she, she'd, she'd yeah. be more comfortable with like the 2% rule something like that. Something absurd.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, but I'd I go with it. It's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. I sympathize with that feeling and it's crazy now that I am no longer working the intense hours and don't have that stress of my old job anymore. Um, I feel like I have, I actually enjoy spending money a little bit more. So I want our numbers to be a little bit higher. I guess when you're just at the office, like all day, every day, not thinking about anything except how to quit, it's easy to be like super crazy frugal, right? And now when we're like, I have a lot more time and can enjoy life more, I'm happy to like enjoy spending a little bit more. Most of it's on yarn because I've taken up a knitting <laughs> habit and that's fairly serious. Um, how much does yarn cost? Oh my gosh, so, so much. <laughs> it depends wildly on what kind of yarn you're talking about. So like a, a really nice skein of hand-dyed yarn that you can get from like our local Longmont yarn shop um, will be like 30 to $40. Okay, And how,
0: how far does that go? Was does that last you? You
1: probably need like three or four of those to make a sweater. Um, so it gets, it gets expensive pretty fast and it depends on like what size yarn you're talking about. Like if it's a really big chunky yarn, you can eat like five or six of those skeins. Sure. Um, so yeah, it just depends a lot. But, um, I actually just recently got some, some of their stuff from their sale. It's in the car right now. <laughs> so dreamy soft. It's the best thing ever. Um, but it was on sale for like $11 a skein, which is like half off. Um, okay. So it's, it varies a lot. I do most of my yarn shopping at thrift stores, which I highly recommend to any crafty people out there. Okay.
0: Are, where did you get the sweater that you're wearing?
1: From my hands. Nice. I, yeah, totally made this. Um, yeah, I think this yarn I got at the Estes Park Wool Festival, which was pretty great. But it was in a discount bin, so it was not that much. I think this is probably like 10 or $11. Yeah. Okay. And I got to have fun making it. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's pretty fun. Yeah. I, I don't know anything about um, what you're talking about, but <laughs>
1: that's,
0: that is cool. It's good to have a hobby and it's, it um, you know, it's time consuming, but probably therapeutic and someone, oh, right? It's,
1: it's very meditative and calming and just like the best thing ever. But I got into all of that to say that, like, now that we're, or I'm kind of like semi retired, I actually enjoy spending money more. So, like, our number has gone up a little bit. Um, but that's fine because Robert's still working and like right. it's all good. No one's no one's stressed out.
0: And h- did you guys ever tap into your investment? So like you went on a year plus long sabbatical, right? Did you ever have to sell anything, or did you live off dividends or
1: yeah, anything? Yeah, um, we just had set aside in cash the amount that we thought we would need to get through um, about roughly that year, and we didn't end up even going through that. Um so yeah we never had to sell anything. Um when we we bought a house just before Robert was like officially rehired and like before his start date. Um so we did sell some investments to buy our house because we didn't want to go through having to get like a loan just based on our assets and it was just much bigger of a headache and we had 0 dollars in income at that point. Um so we did sell then which was not super fun but like replenished it since and it's yeah it didn't gotcha wasn't that big of a deal
0: did you later get if if i heard you right did you so you paid cash did you then get a mortgage
1: uh nope kind of wish we had because the yeah, rates
0: are bad now yeah they were good then. oh
1: yeah the rates were so much better back then and like it would have been nice to put that money in the stock market but it's okay It's all good. We're still doing just fine. Yeah. So.
0: And the house appreciated a ton in the last two years anyway. Right. Yeah. Like crazy. Yeah. Okay. So that's not terrible.
1: But yeah, all of that was a detour from, I think like when you're happier, it does, it's easier to like spend a little bit more and enjoy life a little bit more. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Um, It's probably a lot healthier than what we were doing before. We were just like in our offices for, you know, 12, 14 hours a day and didn't have time to spend any money outside of that.
0: Right. Um, and I think, you know, you were trying to escape something negative. So you're willing to make like big sacrifices, but now you have a lot of options and you're like, oh, you know, maybe I take up a hobby that cost a little bit of money. And it, it sounds like how long does it take you to um knit some, like the sweater, for example.
1: So I'm wearing this tank top right now that I knit and it probably took me like 10-ish hours to knit oh, the whole Oh, that's thing. pretty
0: quick, it seems like.
1: Yeah, that's a, I, I'm like a moderately fast knitter. I'm not crazy fast. Um Yeah, bigger cardigans that I've made take like maybe 15 to 20 hours. It just depends on the yarn. It very much depends on the yarn. But yeah, it's it is a very enjoyable hobby. I mostly do it when we're like all tucked in for the night, we're like watching something on TV or something. So yeah, highly recommend knitting to everyone. Best hobby in the world, men and women, by the way.
0: Um. It, okay, so back on topic. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. we're just, it's going to be like the knitting show for some <laughs> reason. Okay, so did you guys have to make a lot of lifestyle changes early on, especially when you were enthusiastic? And we'll just... You don't have to go too deep into like convincing Robert. So let's assume he's on board.
1: Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest change that we made was I had a really nice car that I had purchased um just after I started at the big firm. Um, so I, I had like a signing bonus when I started there. And that was enough to pay for a pretty, pretty good car. Um, so we paid cash for this. Nice vehicle. Mm -hmm. What
0: was its name?
1: It was a Cadillac, and the color of the car was called Gold Mist. So we called the car Gold Mist. We knew it was ridiculous, but I genuinely thought, like, I need to be projecting this image of, you know, being like a big firm lawyer. And what if I have to drive a client to lunch? You know, like, I need to have a nice car. Never drove a client to lunch. Totally not necessary. Nobody (laughs) cared what I was driving. Um, but that's what we did. And so when we discovered Fi, we traded in the Cadillac, um, and got a used Prius instead. We're big fans of Priuses. We still have one Prius today, but we only need one car today. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, you could call it a downgrade. It felt like an upgrade in a lot of ways. Like the gas mileage was way better. Um, but yeah, we got rid of the Cadillac and switched to a used Prius, and I think we made like ten thousand at least on that transaction, so we got to pocket like ten k and the maintenance on the the Prius was a lot cheaper. you know, like new tires and stuff were way cheaper. Oh my God, Cadillac tires were crazy um but yeah, just like general upkeep was a lot a lot better, so that was a a smart move. We stopped eating out quite so much, um, just kind of little things here and there. I think we just stopped being totally frivolous with money like every purchase we made, we, we gave it some thought, you know, it wasn't just like, Oh, let's go. Like, I remember there was, we bought an iPad um, at some point when we were both like working our, you know, big jobs and the money was rolling in and things were great. And we put some thought into it. It wasn't like we just did it on a whim, but it was like that kind of thing became way less common. And we put a lot more like planning into things like that down the road. So we just we basically just stopped being ridiculous. Like we we were not living like paupers at all. It was I mean, I I always feel like it's important to acknowledge we came at this from a huge place of privilege. Like it's pretty easy to cut back um when you're just doing frivolous things like buying an iPad, you know? Right. So yeah, no one was eating like beans and rice. We were still living a very comfortable life. Um We had already bought a house in a neighborhood that was like not super fancy. Um, And we decided to like stay there. The plan originally had been like stay here for maybe a few years and then we'll upgrade to something later. Um, But we never did. We just stayed in that house. That was a really big thing. So what about for you guys? Did you do any slashing of the budgets?
0: Nothing too big. I mean, just like you said, I think. Me particularly, I would make some of those, not huge, but kind of significant purchases a little more often. now I think about it more and I think it was a little bit of a mindset shift, but yeah, like electronics, especially where it's easy to- spend a few hundred bucks and it's not all the time, but like you do that a couple times a year, like it does add up. Mm -hmm. Um, Elizabeth, she was much more conscious, like just in general, but I was more likely to just buy random stuff. I think we may have eaten out more and I'm having a hard time remembering, but I think we used to eat out a little bit more and then maybe we tapered back a little bit. And actually in the last maybe six months or something like that, coming out of quarantine and COVID and all that stuff, we're like trying to eat out more and like see, you know, the the town and our surrounding area and like just go to more places. Yeah. And so we are spending a little bit more now. And, and like you said, once you have a little more space and like you're a little more comfortable and we see that you know, even if we hit a recession or whatever, like things are probably going to be okay. We have enough of uh critical mass, like we're going to be all right. Yeah. Our expenses are a little higher and we're not like holding back or at least not me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we, okay. Oh,
1: I was just going to say that eating out is a big one. I just looked at the stat for an episode that we did on sex in the city. So do you know how many times the average American eats out every week?
0: Ooh, now, um, I guess like seven
1: yeah that's so man you guys are dead on robert got it right too it's it's 5.9 basically six Mm -hmm. um that felt so surprising to me like i we eat out way less than that but we also looked at the average amount that americans spend on eating out per year and we must be going to like nicer places when we do occasionally go out because we're we're not as far off from that number i think we eat out maybe like maybe once or twice a week tops but we looked at our food spend so far, so on restaurants, including like fast food, fast casual, like everything that's not the grocery store. Um, I think we've spent eleven $1, fifty so far on eating out this year, and it's August. The average for an American household is um, thirty five hundred dollars a year, hmm. which is a lot. So that's an easy place for people to cut back if they're trying to like you know scrape some extra savings into their account, um, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you know, like, where you guys fall on that?
0: I think in the past we it was probably like once a week or once every two weeks or something. Like we would eat in a lot, but I have like sort of a recency bias right now, so I am I'm like I know we go out more. I will give myself credit. I do most of the shopping and I do most of the cooking. And Elizabeth is definitely a lot more likely to go grab fast food. Or like like today she was like do you want Chick-fil-A today? I was like, sure. So yeah. I am, I would almost never like go out cause I know it's unhealthy. It's more expensive and we have like leftovers that I can eat. So 99% of the time I'll like grab leftovers or, you know, if she's out of town, I'll just keep, I'll, I'll go through as much as I can yeah. until I have to go somewhere. And then I probably would go to the store cause I'm just like, I can't. Like I can make better food than whatever I'm about to buy. Yeah, so
1: it's often true.
0: We do when we do go out, though. We usually get drinks. So alcohols really expensive. Like the few times that we go out and we don't get alcohol, I'm like, wow, this is like super cheap. Like it's <laughs> so it's shocking. Um, but yeah, we we had been eating it a whole lot, especially during our like accumulation uh, phase of the primary area yeah. or the primary time. Yeah.
1: Any, any other areas that you can think of that you guys cut back on besides electronics and food?
0: Uh, nothing, nothing too big. Like we, you know, we didn't have car payments. We owned our cars already. Um, one area, uh, similar to what you mentioned, we made a specific decision to get, uh, a smaller house. um, both in Bozeman when we lived there. So we got like essentially a starter home. It was like a two bed, two bath, a town home. And our peers were getting like these much huge house, like even, even though they didn't have families either. And it was just two of them. They were getting like giant house and it was, you know, two, two and a half times as expensive, which is, you know, would have been a major, um, major impact. So we did, we, stayed uh i guess right where we needed to be yeah as far as housing
1: yeah i think getting those big things right like transportation and housing and food too i think is the other biggest category for most people's budgets that's where the real work gets done right like cutting back on coffee here and there and stuff is important and helpful but um getting the big things right is so much more impactful
0: yeah for sure yeah Oh, let's see. So we are spending a little bit more now. Um, you you do yarn. Yeah. So we're eating out a little bit more. Um, we usually, I usually get whatever I want when we're going out us it's like absurdly expensive. So uh, the other thing is guitars. So the people that are watching YouTube, you may see a couple of guitars over there. So I have, I've splurged on a couple of those, which I think was a good thing. It's it's uh, more expensive than yarn, but a similar thing where it's a good pastime. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm playing instruments more and all that. Do you ha- Do you guys have any others? Any vices for Robert?
1: Uh, he's annoyingly vice free. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say he likes fast food a lot more than I do, yeah, he does. and he is definitely the driver behind like let's just get Chipotle or Chick-fil-A. Or the big thing for him is raising canes. Which uh, just came to Longmont, like within the last year or so, I think. Um, they're following him. They know where he lives. They keep moving to wherever he is. But yeah, he grew up in Baton, Lur- Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is where raising canes originated. And he's a little on the obsessed side, so I have to like keep that in check, or otherwise he'd be eating it pretty much every, every day. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I've hiked with him a couple times. He brings junk on those trips too.
1: That is correct. That is correct.
0: What well, What is the what is uh is it Raising Cane? Is that what it's called?
1: Yeah, I think there's an apostrophe as Raising Cane's, apostrophe Canes. s. Yeah.
0: Okay. And it's uh, fried chicken.
1: Yep, just straight up chicken fingers, that's all it is. It's not even like Kentucky fried chicken, it's like chicken fingers and toast and coleslaw. That's all they serve. That is it.
0: Wow. I may yeah. have to check it out. I heard you guys talk about it on, on your podcast and I was like, I've never, I've never even heard of it, <laughs> honestly.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not my favorite. The sauce is like the thing that everyone gets excited about. It's okay. Like, it's not bad, but I'm not like jonesing for it. Robert, like he needs his fix. It's ridiculous.
0: That's fair. I mean, we got Chick-fil-A, so. I like our-
1: Chick-fil-A a lot better than I like Raising Cane's for the record, but. Yeah. So I sympathize more with you guys.
0: How about Popeyes? You like Popeyes, all right?
1: I think he's he's fine with it, but yeah, it's like I think it's largely a nostalgia thing because he grew up with raising canes. Um, yeah, he's he's obsessed. It's ridiculous.
0: Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. So you had a, a big aha moment, and just to jump back as we wrap it up here. Did you? You were having like a terrible day, and you Googled something, and you—that's how you found it all.
1: I think so. It was either that, or it just came up in my like MSN news feed. You know, like oh, right. they put those articles in your face, and I think Pete was featured in a couple of those like mainstream news news venues. So it might have been that. um, It was either that, or I Googled like I hate life. What do I do? Something along those <laughs> lines. Um but yeah it uh it was a big day, so i'm um, I'm grateful for it all the time. awfully glad I had that day
0: pretty cool yeah. and crazy, you ended up in longmont um and you met Pete many times and yeah, yeah. you know go to the events and stuff like that, so very cool well, thanks for joining me today. Where can people find you? maybe there's a favorite uh, recent episode you want to plug or something
1: yeah um so our website is penniesandpopcorn.com and and you can find us on most of the big podcasting platforms we're also on youtube um but yeah we've done a lot of fun episodes recently um, we did one on the goonies which was really fun um about a boy which is like all about financial independence so definitely check that one out Um, yeah we we do all kinds of things um mary poppins was the last one we just put out so check him out they're a lot of fun
0: awesome yeah i'll check out the goonies one that sounds pretty good i i like that movie all right well we'll link up everything and thanks again carla
1: yeah my pleasure
0: thanks for listening to the show that was the mile high five podcast and i'm doug cunnington the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in In person, so the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode quick disclaimer. This show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment. And that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week.